We are Chris and Beth Bruno, and this is the Walking With Podcast. God called you to walk with people. He called us to help you. Join us for a conversation at the intersection of theology, psychology, and ministry. Each week, our goal is to replace a little bit of your overwhelm with more confidence in caring for the people you walk with. To our series called Rewire, How Sexual Addiction is Not About Sex. Last week, we kind of left it with Chris sharing a little bit about how so often those of us who are walking with others who might be struggling or somewhere on the, on the spectrum of using pornography or feeling addicted, we just tend to focus on the behavior, um, sin management, get them to stop. I remember hearing one pastor some one time saying, just throw your computer away. That's a good method. Mm-hmm. And we, we too often miss the person. We miss what's going on beneath that behavior. We, we have no idea of their story and, and where and how and why and when this began for them. And so let's start there with your approach to handling a pornography addiction with your clients and how you you don't talk much at all about the behavior. Yeah, so I, you talk about throwing the computer away and I think you know it's far too often in the realms of especially Christian uh, addiction recovery or Christian pornography addiction recovery specifically, it is such a focus on the external behavior. And if we can just stop the behavior, uh, limit access to the porn, if we can create some kind of boundaries or accountability or whatever it is that that is actually going to fix the problem. And uh, in some ways, those things are helpful and they do slow the problem down for a season, but it doesn't ever really get to the root of where the problem came from or what is going on for that person that is driving the behavior. So in the work that I do, uh, I, I talk about the behavior cycle and I talk about the emotion cycle. And so the first thing that in, in working with somebody, we do actually want to address, like we got to stop the bleeding. And we got to stop the the behavior to a degree in order for us to actually get past the the crisis or the emergent issue so that we can get to the deeper things. So I will work with someone through the behavior cycle. And the way that that, uh, many cycles are set up, especially in uh, addictive cycles or whatever, uh, they're kind of like a circle, a, a cycle. And I've taken a lot of those and adapted them into what I would consider a clock and with 12 o'clock, one o'clock, two o'clock. And, and I'll walk uh, a client through the behavior cycle in each one of those 12, one, two, and describe what's happening at, at each one of those points. And the reason that I do that is because I want to raise awareness and increase reflection for the person so that they have a sense of where am I in the cycle. And when we can begin to know where we are, then we can also disrupt it. And so 
walking through the, the various parts of, uh, of that is really helpful. I'll describe it uh, theoretically, kind of this is where each of those things are, and then I want people to actually label the cycle with regard to what their, their uniquenesses and their particularities are with regard to their specific behavior. So that is the, the, the overall behavior cycle. And unfortunately, far too often, that is where Christian pornography addiction recovery ends, is that it's just looking at what can we do to disrupt the behavior. Uh, and again, it's helpful, but that's not the end of it. So um, I want to say one word about uh, accountability, because I think that's such a big word in the world world of sexual addiction recovery. Now, accountability is, uh, in, in many ways, it's giving uh, the authority to someone else to be asking pointed questions of what my behavior has or has not been. And it's, it's really kind of giving over to that person the responsibility for my behavior. So I'm going to be accountable to you means that I'm going to come to you and I'm going to tell you about my struggles. I'm going to tell you where I, where I succeeded or where I didn't. And uh, one part of that is really good and one part of that is not. The one part that is good is that it is coming into a relationship with another person. It is actually talking about what's happening and uh, confessing to another person where you are and engaging with another person. I think one of the most insidious parts of pornography is how hidden it is and how intentionally hidden it is and how the sex industry is actually increasing the possibility of greater hiddenness. And so to bring it to another person is hugely, hugely helpful. What's not helpful is that that person should never hold responsibility for my behavior. I always have to hold responsibility. And what I, what I see in these accountability relationships is that it just becomes this kind of come, confess, and leave, and nothing changes. And then the next week, come, confess, and leave, and nothing changes. It's not a matter of actually engaging with the person. It's only focused on whether they slipped up or not, or whether they had a problem or not. Uh, it's not actually getting into the emotional part of that person, the story of that person, what's driving the behavior and all. It's just trying to check the behavior. So that's where I feel like accountability is uh, is only partially helpful. Where I'd want to turn the volume up on accountability and maybe turn it on its head is that to hold someone accountable is to uh, to hold them accountable to the glory that God has written into them rather than the restriction of the behavior they're trying to avoid. Like who is the man, who is the woman who God originally designed you to be? That's who I'm going to talk to you about. That's what I'm going to pursue in you. You can tell me how you slipped up, but I'm not, uh, go ahead, tell me about that. But what I'm actually going to pursue in you is, uh, is who I believe you to be and who I've seen you to be. And I'm going to call that out of you far more than I'm going to correct your behavior or keep some log on your slip ups. So that, that, that's accountability stuff. And, and that's just my little beef with accountability there. So the behavior cycle is one of the things that happens and we do want to disrupt the behavior cycle, but we also, as I've said before, we cannot forget the person behind the behavior. And so every behavior comes out of an emotional state that uh, is either good or bad, or feels good or feels bad, or is healthy or is unhealthy. And so 
you know, with, with pornography, uh, why we've called this, you know, how sexual addiction is not about sex. When we, when we pull it out of sexual addiction, we talk about, you know, I've had a bad day and I'm going to go home and I'm going to, uh, eat an entire gallon of ice cream, right? I'm going to eat my emotions away. Is it about the ice cream? It's not about the ice cream. It's about my emotions. And so in the same way, the sexual addiction is not about the sex. It's about my emotions, it's about what's going on inside and how I'm managing that and navigating through that. And so I'll walk through with some of the behavior cycle, but very quickly, we will get into the emotional cycle. What is going on that triggered the disruptive emotion? What do you believe about yourself as a result of that? How did that belief come to be? Where did that get installed into your, into your mind, into your soul? And then, uh, where, where are you moving from that belief into then a relief of that belief, which then goes into the behavior cycle? And then the behavior cycle does its thing, and you come back out of the behavior cycle with a confirmation that you're actually as bad as you thought you were in the beginning. Okay, and that's the emotional cycle that I want to walk people through is what's going on internally, what's going on in your beliefs and your interpretations about yourself, and then um, how did you come to actually find relief in this, uh, in this sexual addiction? I'm curious how many of your clients have ever named the story that started it all. Mm-hmm. Have they ever been led back to the time when they first escaped an unpleasant emotion and evil was waiting with some sort of image or video or something? And have they ever released themselves from guilt and shame and blame by seeing it through God's eyes? And that perhaps, I mean, not perhaps, it was was never them or their choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like the trap is very quickly and easily laid by evil. And it wants to entrap us in the place that is, as I said in the last episode, the highest value target, who we are as a man, who we are as a woman and in our sexuality, because that is the place where the image of God is most evident and resides. And so a little eight-year-old, a 10-year-old is not capable of knowing what to do with with that trap. And so of course, they're going to jump right into it because of how it feels. And here's the other part that I think is really hard for people to understand is that that pornography and other addictions actually work. They actually work. They actually make you feel better. And the, the body responses, the hormonal responses, the dopamine and oxytocin and all the things that get going in our bodies when we're sexually engaged actually do feel better than we did before when we were experiencing that emotional distress. And so, of course, as a little kid, we're going to run back to the place where we feel better. And that, I think, is the exact trap that the enemy is setting with pornography addiction is, uh, you know, just that coming back to that same space. Mm-hmm. And you, you say, how many clients know that and, and are returned to that? And I would say probably zero walk into the room with some sense of that little boy or that little girl and what trap they fell into. And they hold such contempt for themselves. How could I be so perverted? I have a, I am so horny. I have so much going on in me. Like I'm so shame filled. I'm so wrong. I'm so sinful. That's what they're walking into the room with rather than having a sense of that little boy or little girl who so innocently walked into that trap. Mm -hmm. 
So that's the restory process. Yes. And talk a little bit about what that process looks like. Yeah. Well, it's it's moving as close as we can with as much kindness and tenderness as we can to the story of that little boy or that little girl. And kind of stepping away from the contempt that we have, stepping away from the judgment that we have, stepping away from this uh, perspective that we are intrinsically wrong or bad or shame-filled, and recognizing that that child in that spot, in that moment, in that family dynamic, in the emotional family dynamic that was happening that caused the drive to go, right? There was, there was very little for that child to do. And so to, to recognize that the story is not of a deeply sinful child. The story instead is of a deeply wounded child, a deeply forgotten child, a deeply abandoned child, a deeply neglected child, whatever it might be. And to give, uh, give language to that and recognize that now as an adult man or as an adult woman, right, I can actually live out of a different place. I can live out of a different uh, story because now as a neglected child or a lost child or uh, a wounded child, like I can have compassion for that. I can have the same kind or at least begin to have the same kind of a, a compassion that Jesus has for, for that child who still lives within me. The uh, Restoration Counseling logo is a cross section of a tree. And it's very intentional because the adult tree on the outside is what we see, but on the inside are all the rings of all the seasons and stories we've ever lived. And if we can look back in you know, a tree and see this was a season of drought and this was a season of great sun and, oh, look, the wind was going this, and it turned the tree this way, we can look back at the stories and begin to identify what was happening for us there. I believe that we, we invite the presence of Jesus into those places. The withness of God comes into that along with our own withness with ourselves and especially with uh, another person there to show kindness and compassion to those parts of us that were hijacked by evil. Well, I love that you have formulated so much thinking around this and really it's become one of kind of one of your niche offerings through mm-hmm. restoration counseling. You've taken this message to churches and done conferences. You've run groups with with guys who have struggled with this all over the country. Yeah. And now put it together in a course that people can access and really was designed as an on-ramp for clients to go through and just get get into some of this work, some of your kind of Mm -hmm. framework before they start working with you one-on-one. That's available now to you, our listeners. And you can find out more at restorylabs.com forward slash rewire. It's designed for individuals, but a leader's guide will be developed shortly and sent to all of you who who purchase that and, and want to be able to walk alongside of someone else using it. So again, restorylabs.com forward slash rewire. Next week, we're going to be back and talking about how you can really come alongside of kind of different age groups, different demographics, specifically with with this addiction. We'll see you same time, same place next week. 